Welcome back. Glad to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. We continue on. Beginning hour number three. Two pieces of breaking news for the day. The Green Bay Packers have suspended cornerback Jair Alexander for one game for uh, conduct detrimental to the team. That's uh, most likely for him running out on the field and taking the coin flip. Uh, He was not a captain. He wasn't announced as a captain, and he took it upon himself to run out and uh, call the coin flip. Also, don't forget, he was also the guy that was outspoken after the ballgame saying, we're just running what's called. Basically, don't blame us. Blame the the guy that's calling the play. So I'm sure that had a little bit to do with it. Um, Some bring up a good point that, hey, if you're going to suspend him and you're going to make him accountable – for his actions, why aren't you making Joe Barry accountable for his or other guys that are going rogue accountable for theirs? So you can't pick and choose the punishment, but uh, Matt LaFleur has certainly done that. Uh, the others upstairs have agreed. In the meantime, Sean Payton tells uh, the rest of the Denver Broncos squad that Jared Stidham is going to be the quarterback from here on out. Russell Wilson is going to sit, and that's because he's got a big contract, and they're hoping to move him. They're hoping to move him. And uh, we'll see what happens there. In the meantime, we got our buddy Mark Schofield from SB Nation joining us uh, on the hotline. Mark, how you doing? And hopefully you had a great Christmas. I'm doing well, Bill. Hope you and yours had a great Christmas as well. We did. Uh, We watched a a Green Bay Packers defense uh, basically just uh, fight the clock, and they ended up winning. But uh, that had it been three more seconds on the clock, I think Carolina ties that game up, and then who knows what happens from there. But uh, boy, what a weekend in the NFL. I mean, let, let's start off with the two top teams in each conference, uh, the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. The, did the 49ers just play like their worst game at the worst time, or was all of that created by the defensive pressure that the Baltimore Ravens put on on Brock Purdy? I think we do have to give a lot of credit to Mike McDonald and that Ravens defense. They've been fantastic this year. If you look at their resume on the defensive side of the ball, you see what they've done against some teams that we thought are very good offenses, what they did against Detroit and Ben Johnson, who's a sort of hot coaching candidate as we look ahead to the offseason, hiring cycle, what they did to the Seahawks, now what they've done to the 49ers. They're able to get pressure while usually just Brennan four. They do so much in the simulated pressure world where they'll show you pressure from one side, but it actually ends up coming from another. And even though they're just Brennan four, you have players running free, defenders running unblocked. They're doing it with some players like Kyle Van Noy, who was a free agent, who they brought in. And so it's been very impressive to watch the evolution of this Ravens defense over the year. Now, at the same time, some of the turnovers, some of the four interceptions, there was a bit of bad luck, bounces that probably didn't go San Francisco's way. And so I think if you're the 49ers or if you're a San Francisco fan, you can come away from that game thinking, well, you know, the breaks just didn't go our way. You know, if they see this team again, say, in a Super Bowl situation, they'll have some stuff on film, so they might be more prepared for what they're going to see from this defense. But I really give all the credit in the world to this Ravens organization, to this Ravens defense. They've done a tremendous job this year, and they did a fantastic job on Christmas night. There was so much fascinating this past weekend. I mean, I know it was a holiday weekend, and we've paid attention to family, but the Eagles get a win, but it felt like a loss. The Cowboys lose to yet another good team, and they, they get run 22-20 down in Miami. 
You've also got a team like the Lions. They struggled a little bit, but they get the win over the Vikings. Now 11 wins in the season, and they won for the first time in 30 years the division. You've got the Browns with uh, Flacco, and they get yet another win. They're 10 wins on the season. you got Atlanta knocking off the Colts. The Colts are vying for a postseason berth. The Bills, who were rolling and nobody wanted to face them in the postseason, they get a win, but they barely get a win against a bad five-win five Chargers team. And then Mike Tomlin... He suddenly finds a new life again out of his guys, and they go to 8-7 and seven with a dump trucking of Cincinnati. I mean, where do you want to start? What's the most fascinating thing going on this weekend? I mean, you just sort of outlaid it perfectly. There was so much great stuff that we saw this past week, and there's so many great storylines to, to dive into. I want to start with the Dolphins win, you know, because we said last week, we talked about this game last week, and we kind of termed it a, a narrative game, right, because – no matter what happened, there were going to be a number of narratives to come out of it. And what we saw in this game was Miami finally getting a win against a good team. You know, this was one of the questions about the Dolphins was, you know, was their record really just a function of playing teams like New England twice and, you know, getting wins against sub-500 teams? What's going to happen when they play good teams? What's going to happen when they get into the playoffs and have to face, you know, the teams that are in the playoffs as well? What's going to happen when they play Dallas? a very good team with a winning record that's already clinched the playoff swap. But they found a way to win that game. And I think that's an important victory for this team going forward to get them in that sort of frame of mind that, look, we can play with good teams. We can beat good teams. If they go on in this week, knock off Baltimore, you know, I think a lot of people in that building will point to beating the Cowboys as a, as a jumping off point for a moment. And they realize, look, we can play good football against good teams and win those games. For Dallas, the questions now linger. You know, a couple of weeks ago, it looked like they had a shot to win this division. That seems to be falling away from them. That seems to be fading from their grasp. And, Bill, we've talked a lot this year about what happens if they have another playoff stumble. What happens to Mike McCarthy as good as they've been this year? And the potential is there for that to happen. And then let's talk about the Eagles. Because, like you said, you know, there's a moment in that game. You get the pick six for New York. It's suddenly 20 to 18. And they're facing third and 20. And if they had failed to convert that long third down, that crowd would have gone from restless to angry in the blink of an mm-hmm. eye. Now, they got the conversion, that throw to Brown. They finished that drive off with a touchdown, but it still wasn't easy. You felt like, okay, they got the touchdown. They got the momentum back. They're going to win this going away. But then they turn around a couple drives later. They give up the long touchdown to Darius Slayton. The margins for error for the Eagles this year are so razor thin. It's not like last year when they had the point differential of over 100 points. It's just 26 right now. You could say that, yeah, they're winning some close games, but I think most Eagles fans, and certainly those that were in the lake on you know, Christmas Day, they would tell you, we don't feel too good about this team. Everything seems to be a struggle, and now you're seeing some frustration boiling over. Sirianni was heated on the sideline. A.J. Brown didn't really talk to the media after the game. Devonta Smith was saying nobody's happy. And it seems to be... I don't want to say that it's spiraling out of control or anything like that, but the margins for the Eagles right now are so razor thin, and you can just see a scenario. You can see it going just one of two ways, right? They go on some sort of magical run from here. They sort of figure it out down the stretch, and they get themselves back to the Super Bowl, or they're one and done in the playoffs. Like, I don't think there's going to be right. a happy medium with this Eagles team. Who's in a worse spot, the Eagles and what they're going through or the Chiefs and what they're going through? Because the Chiefs, uh, you know, and I'll tell you what, if, if Pierce didn't get the head coaching job for the Raiders after that performance that they put on the Chiefs in Kansas City, I don't know what he would have to do to earn that head coaching job. Yeah, I think he's earned it. I wrote that today. I, they did this a couple of years ago. They had, 
the interim head coach, the interim special teams head coach come in after Gruden, they get to the playoffs, and then they turn around and go with Josh McDaniels. I don't think they can make the same mistake. This team has an identity under Pierce. They're playing great football right now. To do what they did against Kansas City on Christmas Day was an incredible thing to watch. And to your question, I'm more worried about the Chiefs than the Eagles because I think the Eagles still have some things they can hang their hat on. They still have a very successful running game. They still have a pretty good passing game. It's just been inconsistent. I don't know where the answers are coming from if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, because that offense has been an issue all season long. Their weapons outside of Travis Kelsey have seriously let them down. And the defense, yes, it's good. But when the offense is struggling to the extent where the Raiders went on a 17-0 run, and I don't think they gained an entire yard on offense in the middle of it. Like that offense for Kansas City is really struggling. And you wonder what it is that they're missing. Are they missing some receivers like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's now in New England? Are they missing Eric Bieniemy? Are we seeing now the value that he brought to that coaching staff and to that offense now that he's in Washington? Is it a matter of the offensive line is just not giving Mahomes anywhere close to enough time to figure things out? Do they really just need a healthy Travis Kelsey because it seems like he's a little inconsistent and banged up right now? There are a lot of problems. There seems to be no easy answers for the Chiefs. So I'm much more worried about them because, look, the Eagles are still in a position where they can theoretically get the top seed still in the NFC. There's still a path for that. They're at least mm-hmm. going to get one home playoff game, if not two. They seem to be in a much better spot. The Chiefs, yeah, they'll get the one home playoff game, but they're facing a trip on the road, something they haven't done during the entire Mahomes-Andy Reid era. They're in trouble. Yeah, I, I, which I completely agree. Can you imagine if, if Buffalo goes in there and finally gets the win over them? Yeah, I mean, that, with the way and, and that, like you, like you talked about a second ago, the Bills look like the team nobody wants to face. I know look, their performance against the Chargers was a little bit underwhelming, but I, my takeaway from that is if this was the Bills team we were seeing back in October, they lose that game. If this was the Bills team we were seeing maybe early November, they lose that game. They found a way to sort of put out a clunker but find a way to win it, and now everything's in front of them. Of course, they've already lost to the Patriots once. And that Bills team we saw back in October and earlier this season could find a way to lose this game. But something tells me they've figured some things out. They've figured out a way to run the football, which I think will be big for them because it's not all on the right arm of Josh Allen. And, yeah, if we get, you know, that scenario where wildcard weekend, it's Buffalo at Kansas City, I would not want to be a Chiefs fan for that one. The big story of the day, Russell Wilson being sat for the last two games of the year. Jared Stidham going to be the quarterback, and they're trying to make sure that he doesn't get hurt, which would indicate that they're going to dump him in the offseason in some way, shape, or form, right? Yeah, and there are certainly a lot of financial considerations here because I think there's a $37 million injury guarantee if he can't pass the physical in March. At the same time in March, his 2025 salary of $39 million becomes fully guaranteed. So there's a lot of financial considerations here. But I think there are also some football reasons for this. I mean, Wilson's been good but inconsistent. And if you watch, you know, that game on Christmas Eve, five sacks, a lot of them his own doing, seemed very unsettled in the pocket against that Patriots defense. And that was a game that many people thought they would win going away. New England beats them. That's a a brutal loss for their playoff chances. You know, he threw three interceptions a couple weeks ago and a loss to the Texans, another game which was – you know, big for their playoff chances that they lost. So I think, yes, there are financial considerations here at work because as we've seen in recent memory, Matt Ryan, for example, Derek Carr last year, who was replaced by Stidham and now with Russell Wilson in Denver, teams don't want to run the risk of 
him getting hurt. Now you're on the hook for that $37 million and you can't trade him. So there are certainly some financial considerations here, but they're still alive in the playoffs. And I think Sean Payton also thinks the inconsistency is just something we can't game plan for and around at this point. We need somebody that's at least going to run the offense and, and try to keep things on structure when he can. Detroit got a win this past week. Very quietly, nobody's talking about a team that has not only clinched for the first time in 30 years, the division, but also they also are 11-4. and four. Now they sit third overall right now behind Philadelphia and San Francisco. And excuse me, and, and Philadelphia only wins that tiebreaker based on strength of victory at this point. And uh, San Francisco's got a better in-conference record. But Detroit's a team that I don't think a lot of people are really talking about right now. They very quietly just went about their business, won the division, and now they sit back and just kind of wait for things to come in their direction, you know? Yeah, and there's a, there's a strange sort of similarity and parallel that's at play here this week. And it's perhaps the game I'm looking forward to most in a week with a ton of really good games. But they play the Cowboys this week. And as we just talked about with the Dolphins, a lot of questions were, you know, have they beaten anybody good? I, I think there's a similar concern that people might have about the Lions. Like, okay, that the record is what it is, but, you know, point to the good result, point to the quality victory. I mean, they got, you know, dump trucked by the Ravens. Now, if they beat Dallas on Saturday night, I think that is A, entirely possible, and B, that will be the moment. And this is a game that I've been pointing to for a while where people will come to say, okay, you know what? The Lions are for real. Now, I still think they are a legitimate team. I would not want to be facing them you know, in the playoffs, because I think that if everything goes well for them, you know, if Jared Goff, and this was a big win for Jared Goff, because as you talked about last week, pressure and blitzes has been sort of his Achilles heel in the past. Did a very good job when blitzed by Brian Flores in that game against Minnesota. And so this is an opportunity for the Lions to perhaps have that statement when put together that quality victory and tell the rest of the league, hey, you know, we are for real. Uh, let's go back to the Green Bay Packers. And offensively, they uh, just suspended Jair Alexander for conduct det- detrimental to the team for running out there, not being a captain, and taking a coin flip and screwing things up and communication problems. And so we understand that. But they suspend him. But you've got a lot of guys, as we had just talked to one of our film uh, study guys, uh, you've got a lot of guys going rogue defensively speaking. They hang on to the defensive coordinator when a lot of people thought he should have been gone weeks ago. Do you think Matt LaFleur is beginning to lose his locker room a little bit? It kind of feels that way, you know, and again, you know, you're much closer to this team than I am, certainly, and your guests are much closer, but outside looking in, it feels like this is a team that's starting to come apart a little bit. When you have this suspension now, I do wonder how that's going to go over in the locker room. You know, when you've got, you know, Jair out there saying after the game, look, we're just running what's called. And now you get the suspension, as we talked about last week, with LaFleur coming out and saying they're not making any changes at defensive coordinator when, you know, you've given up big games to Tommy DeVito and Bryce Young in recent weeks. We've given up seven touchdown passes, no interceptions over the past three games. Again, I don't think anybody would call the last three quarterbacks Green Bay has faced this sort of murderer's row of no. quarterbacks here in 2023. The defense has been struggling. The defense has been an issue for a long time. And when you start siding with the coaches instead of the players, that can cause some tension in a locker room. And so, look, we all know winning cures all. They get this win against Minnesota on Sunday night. Their playoff odds improved to like 53%. They can get a pathway to get into the playoffs, and maybe that fixes everything. Or maybe it's just a Band-Aid over a pretty big wound at this point, which is not going to heal. 
What do you think of Chicago and the, and the run they're making right now and the way they're playing right now? I mean, now do they really have a legit quarterback, do you think? Or, is it, again, are we going to buy into fool's gold to where it's just going to turn to crap at the beginning of next season and they're going to be, again, looking for another quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, when you're basically locked into that first overall pick, you're probably going to draft the quarterback. And maybe they become that first team that really says, you know what? We've got an opportunity to draft a quarterback, but we're still going to let Justin Fields compete for this battle, compete for this spot, and we'll decide who the better quarterback is come August. Maybe they're the first team to go down that road instead of, as we've seen from some other teams, running it back one more time, hoping it works, and then you know, putting themselves in a position where they have to sort of make another change you know, in 2025. They added this extra first-round pick as the hedge on Justin Fields. That's what they made this move for, to give themselves an opportunity – if it didn't work this year for Justin Fields to draft a quarterback, you're in that position now. So I think that regardless of this run that they've put together, I think the bears are going to draft a quarterback and maybe they decide to move on from Justin Fields, or maybe they have the two compete for it. But I think given where they are, given the fact that we're now going to be entering what year four of the Justin Fields experiment, I think if you still haven't answered that question one way or another, in a way that you, in a way you have answered that question, you don't have them. You don't have that quarterback yet. You have to make another move. Real quick, is Lamar Jackson the MVP or is somebody else uh, creeping in? He's the MVP right now, but I think as we've seen this year, Bill, it's a week-to-week award because, let's be honest, if Miami beats Baltimore, then as we've seen this play out, you might have a case for Tyreek. You might have a case for Tua, depending on how that game unfolds. I think if we have the vote right now, Lamar's the MVP, but we still got two weeks left and a lot of football left to be played. No doubt. Mark, great stuff as always. We'll talk again next week, okay? Thanks so much, Bill. Enjoy it as always. Happy New Year to you and yours, my friend. Appreciate it, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. Mark Schofield uh, joining us for a couple of uh, couple of minutes uh, via SB Nation. Always great to pick his brain. If you want to follow him on Twitter, on X, at Mark Schofield, S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D, at Mark Schofield. He's great to talk to. Wealth of information and covers the NFL like nobody's business. He's, he's just awesome. Love having him on. 877-867-1670, There is still time this week. Hey, today, for that matter. If you're thinking, man, I got a whole group of people coming over to the house next week, New Year's Day. We're going to watch some football. We're going to eat some food. We're going to enjoy some family one more time before we get back to work in the new year. Maybe you want to do it with uh, a new shuffleboard, table games, whatever it happens to be. Or, you know, the winter months are coming. And the cold is coming, and uh, he, around here it really doesn't get nice until June, even going into baseball season, into April. It's not great weather yet, so you're going to be inside for a while. Think about a pool table, shuffleboard, table games, dartboards, all the different stuff. They've got it at Master Z's, and now is the time to start thinking about next summer. So you can go in and get some great deals from the clearance stuff from this past year that's still sitting there. Look at them on Blue Mountain Road in Brookfield, 262-746-5931. 262-746-5931. That's Master Z's on Blue Mountain Road in Brookfield. And as they say, see it today, get it tomorrow. Great stuff, great quality. People come from all over to get this stuff because it's just so good and their showroom is huge. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Welcome back. Good to have you. Bill Michael Show, we continue on. 877-867-1670. Want to hit us up? The uh, Packers getting ready to take on the Minnesota Vikings this coming weekend. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just (laughs) you got uh, Jair Alexander being suspended. And I'm kind of reading a lot of the uh, commentary that's coming across right now from uh, many of you. And it said, uh, this is from Cindy, said, I get it. Jair's been running his mouth. But when you won't hold the defensive coordinator accountable and the defense sucks with pass coverage and now you're going to sit him against Minnesota, why not wait until the Bears? Priorities are messed up. Defense is really going to suck now against Minnesota. Uh, Dell says, can we suspend Barry for the last couple of weeks? Uh, we needed Alexander to cover Jefferson. Now it's a loss for sure. Uh, Joseph said, I get the sense that he doesn't want to be here. Just get rid of Jair. Uh, Sam says, I agree that Barry needs to be held accountable, but there's a difference between somebody being bad at their job and a punk running their mouth, performing public stunts to undermine their team and trying to embarrass their employer. He's a part of the problem. Uh, there are channels for this sort of thing. Try acting like an adult, uh, much less a professional. Um, uh, Nick says, a Green Bay Packers cornerback Jair Alexander has been placed on the injured reserve suspended list. The decision to suspend the player is never an easy one. On and on and on, it goes on to say. Uh, but Jair's actions prior to the game in Carolina led us to take this step. According to Brian Gutekunst, as an organization, we have an expectation that everybody puts this team first. While we are disappointed, we had a good conversation with Jair this morning and fully expect him to learn from this as we move forward together. Uh, we look forward to welcoming him back next week as he's a valued member of this team and is going to continue to be in the future. Um, Eric says, on the other hand, don't let the door hit you in the rear end on the way out. The guy's been running his mouth from the sidelines more than he's played this year. Uh, that's Matt says it's good, but Joe Barry should be suspended for the conduct detrimental to the team as well after Tampa. Um, Brant Barron says Jair's overrated anyway. No big deal. Uh, this is from Joe said uh, Jair does nothing but run his mouth, holds his belts up, wears his cool glasses, but can't back it up on the field. He's nothing more than a lame duck corner. Um, Jeffrey says should suspend Joe Barry. Uh, and then James says this is a disaster. And what a disaster the franchise has become. Uh, Tracy says, how do you think this makes Matt LaFleur look in the eyes of the guys inside the walls of 1265? He won't hold Barry accountable or other players if they are indeed going rogue, but Jair Alexander runs out and wants to get on the field first, uh, and it ends up being conduct detrimental to the team. Do you think he's losing the locker room? That's why I asked Mark Schofield, outside looking in, what the, the, the national media is thinking. The national media is thinking Matt LaFleur is losing the locker room. That Matt LaFleur is, is, is losing his grip on the guys. If everything we had with Eric Branchek holds true. And this is stuff that I, I mean, this is what I noticed during the game too. And I, I even tweeted it out if you want to go back and read it. But I, I said, hey, that that run around the end that went for 20 yards and a touchdown, that was Rashawn Gary crashing the edge. There was nobody left outside to guard that play. You know, a couple of broken tackles down the field, guys got there. They just didn't make the play. But the original setting of the edge, that was Rashawn Gary, man, all over. 
And we've seen this time and again where guys just they don't they just don't they're more stat driven. And they're good players. It's not like they're bad players. It's they're good players. I I, I think you can you can't just blame Joe Barry, but because Joe Barry is the head of all of this and doesn't for whatever reason have the ability to communicate the either the importance, the need, the desperation, whatever to some of these guys to get them to play the way they're supposed to play, then you got to find somebody who can. And if you're going to hold the guys accountable, at some point you have to hold the coaching staff accountable. You know, if Joe Barry doesn't have a way to communicate with these guys and they're tuning him out, you got to find somebody who can. Uh, we got Mike Clemens coming up after the bottom of the hour, I believe. We're going to try to talk to Mike a little bit about this. In the meantime, let's go to the phone calls. Our buddy L listening to us in Philadelphia, joining us on the line. L, how you doing today, man? What's up? <laughs> I'm good, man. I guess they're going to sign uh, Preston Smith to cover uh, Justin Jefferson doing uh, Joe Barry since we don't have that. Pr- that'll probably be it. Yeah, that'll probably be it. <laughs> yeah, in a complicated zone, you're going to be 10 yards off of him, or 20 yards off of him as well. Oh, my goodness. This team, man, this is crazy. Um. I'm, I'm definitely uh, – I, I approve of him suspending Jair for doing what he did. I mean, that could have been catastrophic, what he did. I mean, how are you going to sit up here, assign yourself as being the captain, then slide up in, uh, at, the, at the coin toss and then try to make a decision on what, uh, you know, what, what side we want to take, man. That dude is crazy. Right. So, right. I mean, that's understandable. When I first saw it, I'm like, oh, my God, what happened? And then I, it blinked in that, that, yeah, he did that. So, yeah. And if he had a conversation with him about it and he understood – I mean, I don't think there's no harm, no foul. He's going to take that on the, on the chin and just keep it moving. I still don't understand how Joe Barry still has a job, but uh, nevertheless, uh, um, he's just I – I don't know, man. I, I got a bad feeling about Sunday. I mean, Sunday. I really do. I think it's, uh, the, 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 uh, the chickens are going to come roost, and it's going to be, it's going to be bad. I'm, I, yeah. I hate to say that, and I hate to be so pessimistic, but I'd be surprised. I mean, my thing is, is that, like, I remember back when uh, – when Mike Penn was our uh, defensive coordinator, and I remember them having issues or having problems or having quals, you know, about his scheme. And I remember that um, this is, but this is when we also had uh, um, what's his name um, as our uh, leader of our defense. Oh, I forgot his name. Um, he so, played uh, for Darius. Now, Darius Smith. Yeah, Darius yeah. Smith. He uh, had, they had like an all like player. They had like a personnel meeting or whatever it was. Yep. And they met up with him, and they all talked about like what they needed to do. And then yep. they came out with their hair on fire for the rest of the season, man. They played well in the playoffs and everything. But um, I don't even think Joe Barry even has that in him. Or anybody on this team is leader enough to be able to facilitate something like that. Here's so, what I would wonder. It, it, I would wonder if the guys would go to Joe Barry, if Joe Barry would actually listen. Because it seems like yeah, guys have spoken up, and I don't even know if Joe Barry listens. I think he just nods his head and goes, okay, and then goes back to doing whatever he does. I, I don't even know if he would listen. And that's you know what you know what Mike you, you're right yeah I, I think that too I mean and and that's why the, he really doesn't have the room anymore but um but yeah, yeah so I just I saw that I wanted to reach out I just wanted just to talk to you thank you man no I appreciate it pal and uh, happy New Year to you we'll talk to you hopefully on, on Sunday as well there you go that's our buddy L listening to us in Philadelphia uh, let's do this uh, for those that don't know just uh, tuning in uh, for conduct detrimental to the team. And the coin flip fiasco, and maybe for even speaking out after the ball game, uh, Jair Alexander has been suspended for the upcoming game against the Minnesota Vikings. So uh, just to give you 
a little heads up there. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Sunset Grill on Pewaukee Lake. They obviously have a big New Year's Eve party planned this weekend. They've got all the games that are going to be on this weekend, bowl games, basketball games, Packer games. All going to be on Sunset Grill at Pewaukee Lake, and then they have uh, some good food and wines and celebratory ch- uh, chinking of the glasses, cling, going on this uh, this Sunday night for uh, New Year's Eve. But Sunset Grill, Pewaukee Lake, right there on Prospect Avenue. Stop in and, and tell them we said hi. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to try to catch up with Mike Clemens and get his reaction to all of this when we come back. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to have you. The breaking news of the day, the Packers cornerback Jair Alexander has been placed on the reserve slash suspended list. Suspended today by the club. One game conduct detrimental to the team, according to the uh, general manager, Brian Gutekinds, announcing the transaction today. He said, quote, the decision to suspend a player is never easy and not one we take lightly. Unfortunately, Jair's actions prior to the game in Carolina led us to take this step. As an organization, we have an expectation that everyone puts t- the team first. While we are disappointed, we had a good conversation with Jair this morning and fully expect him to learn from this as we move forward together. We look forward to welcoming, welcoming him back next week as he is a valued member of this team and will continue to be in the future. And uh, joining us now on the line, our guy, Mike Clemens. And Mike, word breaks, Jair is out. Who ha- it Really? Oh, we lost Mike. I lost Mike. Um, I'll give him a quick call back. Okay, but really, uh, the the game that he has been able, Jair's been able to hang his hat on, was not game one last year where Justin Jefferson had a healthy amount of yardage basically crossing over the middle with soft coverage, but in game one, but Jair last year really in man-up coverage against Justin Jefferson had uh, a seriously good day uh, and really kind of even did the gritty remember. He had a pick and embarrassed Justin Jefferson to the point that Jefferson was screaming about, you know, taunting and such. But, uh, you know, Jair was, you know, that was his best day. Since then, he's been banged up. He's done a lot of bravado. He's wore the belts. He's wore the glasses. Now he took it upon himself to run on the field during the coin flip. Uh, And then he says about the coaching staff after the game, basically saying, hey, we just run the plays, you know, whatever, you know. Uh, Joining us back here on the hotline, our guy, Mike Clemens. And, Mike, uh, I, I can't act surprised because I kind of felt that this was warranted. Yeah, I was going to ask your opinion on that because it is, it is shocking because from a football standpoint, look, here, they, here they're trying to get Eric Stokes back in the field, even though, as we've discussed, you know, my God, these, uh, rookie Carrington Valentine was doing a nice job filling in, and then Corey Valentine, 27 years old, on four or five NFL teams, he was having, you know, the best run of his NFL career, I thought, in a period where they were winning four out of five games. Stokes gets back out there. He's coming back from a horrible injury, and he clearly he's rusty, gets beat by the Bucks, gets beat on a play uh, by the Carolina Panthers. But you're just thinking, like, well, they're trying to get their two highest-paid corners. This is the way the team was supposed to look all year back on the field. 
and maybe see if they can get into a playoff game. And now they're benching, they're suspending Jair Alexander. But, you know, there's, there's, a, there's some chapters along the way that I can give you in terms of a timeline. Did you, were you able to read the, the, uh, the actual release from uh, Gudikins from about 45 minutes ago? Yes, I read it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so first Jair misses two, three games with a back injury. It happened during practice squad practice. He took a hard hit from Ben Sims, friendly fire in practice, and it knocked him out for two or three games. During that time, you know, he's out there coaching the rookie, Carrington Valentine, and the other guys, and, and help it out. And then he finally gets back in, and he's running across the field. I think this is a play where he deflected the ball that turned into an interception. But he ran across the field, outstretched, and he jacked up his shoulder. Now, I've seen one report, not source, but that, yeah, AC joint sprain, like degree two. Uh, he's not talked about it, but he ended up missing, you know, week three, week four, week five. And when you get to that point, then you start to say, okay, if it was that bad, then why didn't the team put him on IR for four weeks? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, by week three or week four, the team, the trainers thought, um, hey, he might have a chance. So we don't know what happened in between there, if there were setbacks or something like that. But that's what got to be kind of curious. So then there's Jair, you know, as a public figure, as a guy talking to the media. And he, he, he's proud that he's the highest paid corner. He will tell you he's the best corner in the NFL we know that he's made some terrific plays deflecting passes. Packers have been a little short on interceptions this year. But when Rasul Douglas got traded to the Bills, we got Jair, you know, to the core. Not the sunglasses, not the clown show. He came and talked to the media and was very sincere, very serious. And I think it was kind of a message sent to him and the rest of the locker room about Rasul's comments, even though LaFleur denied that that was it, and Gudikin said, look, we're, we're building to the future, and that third-round pick is a rookie contract. Like, I mean, he said that. He actually said that. Like, we need to get some of this money off the books, and let's move on with some of these young guys, see what these young guys can do, and let Rasul, you know, catch up with the Bills. But, but Jair Alexander was very sincere in that presser. A couple weeks go by, he doesn't talk much because he's injured, missed the game. Then he's willing to come out and talk again. And now we think, all right, like week five, he might play maybe in this Giants game. And he comes out, and before he talks to us, we're all standing like, okay, great, he's going to talk. He stops, and he goes over to a teammate's locker and pulls out a championship belt. He goes to his locker and pulls out a championship belt. He goes to Darnell Savage, who's borrowed his famous white sunglasses, and he puts that on, and he turns this thing into a clown show. And while you're standing there and listening to the questions and the answers, and he's doing this little funny show, I'm sitting there saying, dude, you know, I know who you are, and you like to be the jokester. And it's, it's fun in here in the locker room, and even for us that cover the team every day, this is going to look bad, dude. This is going to look bad. Unless you get on the field and play, this doesn't look good for an injured player, for a high-paid guy going into week four, week five like this. And as it turns out, that Saturday, everyone's leaving for New York. 
I'm sitting there in, with LaFleur in the auditorium, and I asked him this question. When we talk to Jair, he likes to have fun with us, you know, sunglasses and props and things like that. But it's got to have been a frustrating year. How was he when you talked to him about it? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all frustrated about it, to be honest with you. That was it. Now, that was it, yeah. Now, and come he on, sounded man. like he was perturbed with Jair, like there was something more to what was going on. Yes. Yes. He had every opportunity to say Jair is a leader. He, you know, we feel bad about this. He's trying everything to get back on the field. Yes. And then I learned the next day he didn't get on the plane to New York. Yep. And, then, and he didn't get on the plane like he was pulled, like as he was going to the plane. Yes. So then there's the next week of practice. He's out there, doesn't talk to us before the game. Okay, fine. He gets out there in Carolina, and then he pulls this stunt before the kick. During the, the, the pregame coin toss, he's not one of the three captains. And this year, you know, LaFleur kind of did this by design. He wouldn't, all through camp, he wouldn't talk about who the captains were. And you remember last year that when the team voted for their captains, they didn't vote for Jair. And he was, yeah. he was, he was ticked about that. He let us know. He felt disappointed by that. I think he'd been a captain the year before. And so this year, LaFleur, with all these new faces and 13 rookies picked up in the draft and blah, 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 he just decided, you know what, we'll go on a week-to-week basis. I'll decide who the captains are and we'll award guys. So, you know, he had three other guys out there. Jair runs out in the field. Now, we knew that he had a lot. He's from Carolina. He's from Charlotte. He's got a lot of family and friends in the stands. And so, you know, doing his Jair kind of jokester thing, he runs out there and says, you know, we want, we want uh, to be, uh, we want defense on the field. You don't say that. You say we defer because if it's misinterpreted, you could end up having to kick for both halves. Right. Now, before the game, LaFleur let us know this, and I, had, I didn't know this prior to Sunday night. LaFleur pulls a referee aside before the coin toss and says, we're deferring today. If we win today, we're deferring today. So that, that way, if a player gets nervous or screws up or some, does something like Jair, the referees know what the team's intentions are. And right. that's how they got it squared away. Fortunately, the ref kept that in mind to clarify it when Green Bay actually won the toss and they deferred. You know, Mike, uh, here's my next question, and this is what a lot of people seem to think, and we just talked with Mark Schofield from SB Nation from the outside looking in. The question is, do you think Matt LaFleur, he sticks up for Joe Barry, keeps Joe Barry around, as we talked with Eric Branchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, guys are kind of going rogue, they're not really playing within the system, and now you've got the suspension of Jair. Do you think Matt LaFleur is beginning to lose this locker room? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. I, what I do think is, well, first of all, <laughs> Jair's managed to get Joe Barry off of page one. <laughs> right. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you know. Right. No, you know what? My sense, Jair Alexander, was when they got rid of Rasul, there's a whole bunch of guys like that. Like Aaron Jones and a couple of those other dudes left are like, oh, God. 
I mean, this place is really getting young. And if you're above the line at, you know, 26, 27 years old, you're starting to feel old in there. And so to me, when they got rid of Rasul, that kind of sent a signal to a couple of guys, and they're like, wow. I mean, they're serious about rebuilding. And I think that that's where Jair's been a little bit this season. That's just, that's just my gut. It got real young, real quick around him. And so that's part of it. Then the frustration of the injuries. No doubt there was the injuries. But when it, like I say, with the shoulder injury, when I got to be – I don't expect a guy, if he's got a jacked-up shoulder, to be able to tackle and deflect passes. No, you, you can't play that position one-armed. But the rest, we don't know. How much was he training? How much has he been a pain – you know, for Greg Williams, the secondary coach, or in the in, in the meetings, I would yeah. think that he's a total professional. I would be willing to bet. Well, Lafleur's going to come up here and say it's it's all related to what he did before the game. We're not going to stand from that from anybody, from Jordan Love or Luke Musgrave or anybody. Where Aaron Jones, if Aaron Jones runs out there and screws up a coin toss, he's going to get suspended. But I would be willing to bet Lafleur's going to lobby for Jair, just to keep the peace and to keep the players on his side, frankly. Yeah. But, you know, let Gudikins be the bad cop. But I think, I, I think Jair's, uh, you know, up. maybe Jair wants to get the hell out of Green Bay, and he sure found a way to do it. But mostly I just think it was an instinctive class clown jokester thing to show off for the family and the fans and all that kind of thing. Let's have a little fun out here. But, he screwed up big time, and I don't know if he wants to be in Green Bay. And you got plenty of time between now and next March to see eh, how many more picks can we get for this guy. Real quick before I let you go, what do you make of his comments after the game on Sunday, saying, "Hey, we're just running what's called." Uh, that's that's going. He's going back to that Joe Barry stuff when they lost to the Vikings, and Justin Jefferson ran free, and he was not the number one on him. He didn't. He didn't like that. You know, he wasn't put on the number one receiver. Or just standing out there and playing zone and playing soft. Yeah, Mike. Uh, good stuff as always. And uh, we will. Uh, well, we'll talk again tonight during the huddle. Okay. Talk to you at six thirty, buddy. Appreciate it, pal. There you go, Mike Clements joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. In case you're just tuning us in, Jair Alexander has been suspended one game by the Green Bay Packers for conduct detrimental to the team. Matt LaFleur is going to speak today. We're going to have all of this coming up tonight on the huddle. Mike will join us yet again. Jair, we've not heard from uh, since this is broke. Uh, Gudikins made the announcement. Like Mike said, you're probably going to hear uh, Matt LaFleur. And, and look, Mike's not making excuses to any, for anybody. Uh, so, Merlin, you're completely wrong. Mike's just giving you his opinion as to what he thinks is inside the locker room. Because um, Mike doesn't pull punches. He, he's pretty – Pretty smart when it comes to that stuff and what his, as he calls it, his spidey sense is about certain things. But, you know, one of the things that uh, happened last year when Jair said that, going back to the Joe Barry stuff, was I want to be on the top-notch guys. And then they did finally put him on the top-notch guys, and look what he did to Justin Jefferson last year. And now you've got him suspended for this upcoming game. Let's do this. Uh, Mike, as always, brought to you by the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Quiet, cozy, comfortable, just a mile from Lambeau Field. Check them out uh, by simply going to baymotelgreenbay.com. That's baymotelgreenbay.com. Call them, 920-494-3441, 920-494-3441. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. 
ready. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Reminder coming up after the uh, at six o'clock tonight. After uh, right in the uh, six o'clock hour, we got the Bill Michaels huddle, and we're going to have the comments from everybody uh, inside the locker room. Mike Clement's going to join us. We'll hear from Matt Lafleur. Obviously, the news of the day: Jair Alexander has been suspended by the team for one game, which means he will not be playing against Justin Jefferson this coming weekend. You're also going to hear from Jordan Love and whoever else uh, Mike happens to run into, which is, I'm sure, the suspension is going to be the topic of conversation inside that locker room today. Um, you know, Brian Gudekind saying we had a great conversation with Jair. He understands, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the bottom line is uh, conduct detrimental and a guy cannot take it upon himself to just run out on the field and do his thing. So... That's going to be the discussion coming up tonight on the Bill Michaels Huddle. Uh, we got another hour yet to go. Don't go anywhere. we got a whole lot more to get to. And there's just a lot of stuff we haven't even touched on yet, but I want to continue to get your reaction to all of this. As a lot of people, a lot of people seem to think that uh, this Packers team, which is still capable of getting itself into the postseason, is turning into a dumpster fire. I want to talk about that when we come back. Stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this.